You know, I find a great deal of encouragement as I sit here with all the fears and sweaty hands and racing heart to, that you have before you get up to preach God's word to God's people. And the Holy Spirit leads Sean to pick out a song that, that says just exactly what I'm getting ready to try to say. We're going to look tonight at the Lord, how he, a picture of how he graciously reveals himself to his people. Now this much I know, the Lord's going to reveal himself to somebody. Over the course of time, the Lord's going to reveal himself to somebody. He's got people. He's going to reveal himself to somebody. That's my prayer. Pass me not. Pass me not. Lord, reveal yourself to me. Just kind of keep that in your mind as we go through this. Now, if you would, open your Bibles with me for our scripture reading to Genesis chapter 45. Genesis 45. We'll read the first 15 verses. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you, to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years, in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you have posterity in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye, go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee. And yet, for for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household, and all that thou hast come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that it's my mouth that speaketh unto you. And you should tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that you have seen, and you shall haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck, and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren, and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. Thank God for his word. Let's bow together. Our father... How it thrills our hearts to be able to call the God of heaven and earth our Father. Oh, how we thank you. How we thank you for your mercy and your grace that would cause 
sinful men and women such as we are to be part of your household, your children. And Father, how we thank you for your mercy and your grace. How you've been pleased to reveal yourself to your people, to so many people here. You've been pleased to reveal yourself. Give them saving faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we never could have figured God out on our own. We never could have figured the gospel out on our own. We never could have figured redemption out on our own. It had to be revealed to us. And how we thank you that you stooped to reveal these glorious wonders of Christ our Savior to us. And Father, I beg of you that you continue to do that. You continue to reveal yourself to your people. That you continue to call out your people. Those here that that don't know you, Father, I, I beg of you that you would, even this evening, reveal yourself to them through the preaching of your gospel. I pray you keep revealing yourself to your people. Oh, how we need you every minute of every day. How we need you. How we need a fresh sight of the Savior. How we need fresh sources and fresh fresh refilling of your mercy and your grace. Father, we're so thankful. And Father, we pray that you'd be with those of our number and those in, in other places who they can't be with us tonight. They're, they're hurting, they're sick, they're in deep, deep waters. Father, we pray that your presence be with them. We pray that you'd comfort, that you'd heal, that you'd be with them in a special way. Now, Father, all these things we ask, and we give thanks in that name which is above every name, the name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Now, I've titled the message this evening, Knowing God. I can't think of a more important subject, Knowing God. Knowing God is so important. There's no spiritual life without knowing God and saving faith. And what I'm talking about tonight, what I want to talk about the rest of this, this in this message, is not knowing about God. I don't want us to just know about God. I'm talking about knowing God so that we know Him. So that we know how God saves sinners, and more importantly, how God can save you. Yeah, I want to know, how can God save me? How can God save a sinner like me? I'm talking about knowing God. Because you have union with him. You know him because you're one with him. Just like a husband and a wife are one. And there may be somebody here tonight. Wondering this. Do I know God? Or do I just know the doctrine. That's that's preached here. Do I know God? Or do I just know facts. From scriptures. You know I. I. I know this by experience, and I've seen it repeated over and over and over and over again, especially our young people that grow up under the sound of the gospel. You know, by the time our young folks here reach 18, and they come out of Eric's class, they graduate from high school, they come out of Eric's class in here, if you've been paying attention whatsoever, you got a PhD in the scriptures. Now, you've been taught the scriptures by the best. You really have. But this is the question that's in our mind. Do I know Christ? Do I? Do I, mean, do I? do I trust him? Or do I just know what I've been taught up here? Is, is it just a head knowledge or is it a heart faith? That's what we wonder. Well, our text tonight is a picture of how God makes himself known to his people. 
And the picture, it's a heartwarming story. It's the story of Joseph finally revealing himself to his brothers. And when Joseph got done making himself known to his brothers, they knew Joseph. They didn't just know who he was. They knew beyond a shadow of a doubt Joseph's character. That this is a merciful and gracious man. This man, not only is he king in Egypt, not only is he control of all the food that there is in this world, this is a gracious man. This is a merciful man. They knew that. And when Christ makes himself known to his people, now that's a heartwarming matter. I mean, it's a heartwarming matter because it's a heart matter. It's a heart matter. And God's sovereign grace, I don't care how many times we hear of it, God's sovereign grace ought to always warm our hearts, shouldn't it? How can sovereign mercy not warm the heart of the guilty? How can it not? And when Christ makes himself known to his people, I tell you what, they know him. They know him. They don't just know the doctrine about him. They know him. They know his character. They know how it is God can save a sinner like me. It's all of grace. All of his grace. All of his doing. So let me give you a few things as we read back through this story. Here's the, here's the first thing. Christ only makes himself known to his brethren. Verse 1, Genesis 45. Then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. Now Joseph only made himself known to his brethren. Before he made himself known, he made all the Egyptians leave the room. He didn't, he didn't reveal himself to the Egyptians, only his brothers. And when Christ reveals himself, he reveals himself to his people, to his brethren. Isn't that an amazing thing? Sinners like us can be the brothers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can call him our older brother. That's what we have by God's regenerating grace. When we're born again, we're born into God's family. Now, the only explanation for that is grace, isn't it? Why would God cause somebody like you and me to be born again in his family? The only explanation is grace. (laughs) It's because in his mercy and in his grace, Almighty God chose to make us his children. So that we, so that the Lord Jesus Christ would be our older brother. Now, if the Lord's made himself known to you, you know this, you believe this, and you love this. The only reason you're one of Christ's brothers, sisters, you can call him your brother. The only reason is he chose you, even though you didn't deserve it. You didn't do anything to deserve it. It's simply by his electing grace. And you love it that way. You you just stand amazed at it. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Every believer can say that the Lord Jesus Christ is our older brother. Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verse 11. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause 
He's not ashamed to call them brethren. Our older brother is not ashamed to call us brethren. I mean, what a lot we are. But he's not ashamed. Because he sanctified us. He made us holy. He washed us in his blood. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. And our older brother always reveals himself to his, his brothers by preaching. Verse 12. Saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Now, if, if you're going to hear from God, you're going to hear man preaching. But if the Lord reveals himself to you, there's going to be a difference. It's, you're going, it's not, I don't know how to explain this. I mean, if you've experienced it, you know it. It's not just the man you're hearing. It's the Savior speaking to your heart. That's how he reveals himself to his people. And Lord's going to glorify every one of his brethren. He won't lose even one of them. Verse 13. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. When this thing's done, the Savior is going to appear with his people before his father and say, Father, here they all are. You gave them to me to redeem. Now I brought every last one of them to you. Here they are. And they're all going to be there because our older brothers made reconciliation for the sins of all his brethren. Look at verse 17. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of his people. Our older brother loves his, his children, his younger brothers and sisters so much he sacrificed himself to make reconciliation for their sins. And our older brother is the one who comforts us. Verse 18. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he's able to succor, to comfort them that are tempted. Our Lord comforts his brethren. He knows how. Because every step we take, he's taken it first. He suffered everything that we suffer in the flesh so that he's able to comfort. Now that's some older brother, isn't it? That's the brother I want. Now the Egyptians heard about that. They heard about that. But Joseph didn't reveal himself to them. See, this is what I said before. There's a difference in knowing about Christ and knowing Christ. And if you know Christ, you know this. It's because he came one day in his power, in his mercy, in his grace, and he revealed himself to you so that you believe him. And he does that through preaching. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe, to save his people. It's through preaching. Now, it might seem odd to say that the Lord reveals himself to his people through preaching, but he also only does it when you're alone with God. Do you know you can be in a large congregation and be alone with God? That's what the Lord does. He makes himself known to his people individually, just like you're the only one in the room. Have you ever felt like that message was just for me? You know what that is? That's being alone with God. <laughs> he sent that to you. That's what he does for his people. And if you know God, 
you know that's how he revealed himself to you. All right, number two, if you know Christ, you've been troubled in his presence. Look back in our text, Genesis 45, verse 3. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I'm Joseph. Doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him. They were speechless, for they were troubled at his presence. You reckon? <laughs> after all of their sin, after all of their hatred against Joseph, after everything they'd done to him, they should have been troubled, shouldn't they? Joseph is the most powerful man in the world. And if he gives them justice, they're doomed. I mean, if he just does whatever he wants to, I mean, if it's not justice, they're doomed. This man can do with him as he pleases. Now, if we know God, we've been troubled in his presence. We've been troubled over our sin. Now, I said that right, our sin. Yes, we're troubled over our sins, the things that we've done. But the problem is our sin. It's our sin nature. And I'm troubled because the Lord gives me justice. I'm doomed. I'm doomed because I deserve hell. Look at Zechariah chapter 12. You know, this, this thing of being troubled in his presence and truly mourning over sin. It's not just being sorry I did it. You know, most people, when, you know, they, they, when they say they're sorry they did it, what they really mean is, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry I got caught. When the Lord reveals himself to us, we're going to be troubled on a whole deeper level than that. We're going to be troubled because Almighty God has showed us what it costs to put sin away. Look here at Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplications. And they shall look on me whom they've pierced and they shall mourn. They shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Now I tell you the first time I am really honestly troubled over my sin. It's not when I'm afraid of getting punished. I truly mourn over my sin when I finally see what it cost to put my sin away. I had no idea how heinous my sin really is until I saw that the only way my sin could be put away is the Son of God be pierced, be crucified, and suffer and die, the, the cursed death on the tree, Dying the death that I deserve. Dying in my place. Christ wasn't pierced for any sin of his own. He was pierced for my sin. His back was lacerated for my sin. That sword was thrust in his side for my sin. My sin. That lets me see just how horrible my sin really is. And I'm not mourning over sin until that's why I'm mourning. Because that's what it cost. See, if Christ reveals himself to me, I don't want to just be saved from going to hell. I mean, I didn't want to go to hell before I knew Christ. Did you? If Christ reveals himself to me, this is my concern. I want to be saved from my sin. I want my sin put away so that I can be reconciled to Christ. So I can be made like him. 
That's my heart's desire more than anything else. Now you see that, you know that. There's a big difference in not wanting to go to hell and wanting your sin forgiven. And you know that difference if Christ has made himself known to you. Then number three, if you know Christ, he's dealt with you in compassion and with a heart of compassion. Look back at Genesis 45. As Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, verse 2 says he wept aloud. He wept. In verse 4, Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near and he said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, when Joseph talked to his brothers, I mean, you think of who these guys are now. Let's remember what they did to Joseph. And when he talked to them, his heart was moved with compassion for them. So much so that he wept. They caused him so much suffering, yet his heart was moved with compassion for them. When he saw them in so much need, when he saw them in so much misery, when he saw them so full of fear, his heart was moved with compassion. And he told him, come near to me. You don't have to run away. Come near to me. Isn't that a good picture of the Savior's heart? His heart was always moved with compassion for sinners. He never one time drove a sinner away. Now he drove the Pharisees away, didn't he? He made a whip and drove the money changers out. But he always had compassion for sinners in their misery. And here's what he told them. This is the answer to all the sinners' ills. Everything that ails us. He said, come to me. Come to me. I'm everything you need. Come to me. If you're weary, come to me for rest. Is the burden of the law just too much for you to take anymore? Come to me. I'll give you rest. I kept it for you. Are you thirsty? Come to me and drink. Are you a guilty sinner that fears God's justice? Come to me for mercy. Come to me for forgiveness. Are you a sin-sick sinner? Covered from head to toes, wound and bruises and putrefying sores? Come unto me and be healed. Are you a dead sinner? Come to me for life. Come to me. I know Joseph said here, come to me, I pray you. But don't make a mistake about this. This is a commandment. The commandment of the gospel is come to me. Come to Christ. And if we don't come to Christ, you know what that says about us? It says, if I don't come to Christ, I'm so sure that my righteousness and my goodness is good enough to get me into heaven and good enough to get me into God's presence, I won't come. See, it's not my sin that's going to keep me from heaven, is it? It's my righteousness. My rags of righteousness. It's my refusal to obey the commandment of God. Trust Christ. The Savior commands sinners. Every one of us here this evening, come to me. But it sure sounds like a sweet invitation if you're a guilty sinner, doesn't it? Come to me. Joseph told him, I'm your brother. I'm your brother that you sold into slavery. You're guilty, but I forgive you. 
And that's what the Lord tells his people. He doesn't just pretend like our sin's not there. He said, you're guilty, but I forgive you. Your sins are great, but my blood, the blood of my sacrifice has washed your sins away, washed you white as snow. Now come to me. Come for mercy. Come for grace. Come for peace. That's a commandment of the Savior to a sinner. All right, number four. If you know Christ, you can see God's sovereignty all in your life, especially in your salvation. Verse five, Joseph says, Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earing nor harvest, and God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Now again, Joseph didn't ignore the sin of his brothers, did he? No, he just, he just laid out there in the open. He said, y'all did this. You sold me into slavery. But Joseph also told them of God's sovereignty. That God overrode their wickedness to accomplish God's purpose of mercy and grace. God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? His wonders to perform. And I'll tell you one of the mysterious things that our Lord does is how he overrules man's sin and man's wickedness and man's rebellion to accomplish his purpose of good. And he does it without ever excusing sin. (laughs) You know, God shows us our sin. He reveals to us our sin. You know why? Now I'm talking about when he reveals himself to his brethren. When he reveals himself to his people, he shows us our sin so he can show us his glory. And how he forgives sin. His glory is his grace. You see, it was God's purpose that Adam sinned in the garden. That did not take God by surprise. Adam did not do something God couldn't stop him from doing. That was God's purpose all along. That Adam sin and fall in the garden for this reason. So that in time to come, the Son of God could come in the flesh and redeem a people out of Adam's fallen race. He could redeem a people from their sin and their misery. See, God did that for the glory of Christ the Redeemer and he did it without ever being the author of sin. Who can do that but God? And if you trust Christ, you think about that for your own self. Well, you spend a whole lot of time not caring one bit about the Lord at all, didn't you? Not caring a bit. Good chance you spent a good bit of time in open sin and, and rebellion. Didn't think a thing about it. Not one blessed thing. It's just, you know, what you enjoyed doing, what everybody you knew was doing. You could have spent a whole lot of time sitting in buildings like this, hearing the gospel preached, hearing the gospel of God's sovereign grace preached, and you didn't believe it, and you went out and the rest of the week didn't think one thing about it. But now you trust Christ. And now that you know Him, Now that you know his sovereignty, now that you know how he works all things together 
to accomplish his purpose. You can look back over the events of your life and say, I see how God was working there. I see what God was doing there. Oh, if he had left me to myself, I'd have been so far at left field, you couldn't see me. But God turned me. God kept me. God kept me from doing what I wanted to do. He protected me from myself. And he brought me to the place that I could believe him. I may have heard 10,000 messages and not thought a thing about them. But God kept me there till number 10,001, I finally heard something. God did that. Almighty God was able to accomplish my salvation because he's sovereign over everything. Nothing could stop his purpose. And if the Lord has been pleased to reveal himself to you, you know that just as clearly as you know anything. The Lord is sovereign in salvation. He did all of the saving for me. You know that if he's revealed himself to you and you love it that way. You wouldn't want it any other way. All right, number five, if I know the Lord, I've heard of his glory. Joseph said in, in verse eight, so now it was not you that, that sent me hither, but God. And he's made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all of his house and ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Now Joseph revealed himself in his glory to his brothers. He told them that Pharaoh had made him ruler of all of the land of Egypt. That was the most mighty nation on earth at that time. One of the most mighty nation or mighty nations in all the history of the earth. This mighty, glorious nation, and Joseph ruled over all of it. I mean, anything that happened in that vast, rich country, Joseph ruled it. People in that country did exactly what Joseph told them to do. They wouldn't dare do deviate a bit. Joseph's will was always done in the land of Egypt. People had something to eat because Joseph was in charge, because his will was being done. And Joseph said, you go tell my father that. Tell him about my glory. See, the reason that Joseph could work everything the way that he did and bring his brothers back to him and all this, this guilt and this fear and this shame so that he could reveal himself in grace and forgiveness to them. Is he sovereign? See, everybody did. You know, when he said, put my cup in Benjamin's sack, it was done, wasn't it? When he said, now chase him down and you find whoever's got that cup in their sack, bring him back to me. They got to be, be my slave. The servant did it, you know. Now, he knew Benjamin wasn't guilty. He's the one who put the sack in the cup or the cup in the, in the sack, but he didn't ask no questions. He did exactly what Joseph told him to do. Because Joseph is sovereign. Now his brothers understood that. This man's sovereign. Not only is he sovereign over all the earth, he's sovereign over me. And when Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, he said, now I'm using my power, my sovereign power, to be gracious to you and to save you. And if the Lord's been pleased to reveal himself to you, that's how he dealt with you. He showed you the Lord is king. The Lord Jesus Christ is sovereign. I mean, he's sovereign over everything that moves, over everything that walks, over everything that flies, over everything that wriggles and crawls, over everything that thinks and has, thinks it's determined and it wants to do something. Everything in God's creation, Christ is sovereign over it. 
Whatever it is you find happening in God's creation, I'm telling you, the Lord Jesus Christ is sovereign over it. It's being done because that's his will. If it wasn't his will, it wouldn't be done, would it? He's sovereign. Everything that happens is the will of our God being carried out. That's God's sovereignty. And the reason that God's people are saved from their sin is God's sovereignty. The Lord's purpose of redemption is always carried out. You know, it's one thing to learn of the sovereignty of God, isn't it? It's another thing to know Christ the King and see how he uses his sovereign might to be gracious to you and not destroy you. If he's revealed himself to you, it thrills your heart. Somebody can't exalt the sovereignty of God enough for you. You love it that way. It's the security of your salvation. Then number six, if I know the Lord, I know he's the one preserving me and keeping me. Verse nine, haste ye, go up to my father and say unto him, thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. For there will I nourish thee. For yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household, and all that thou hast, come to poverty. Now I love this. Not only did Joseph forgive his brethren, he said, you come to me, and I'll provide for you. I'm going to give you the best part of Egypt to live in. That's Goshen. Goshen was the best part of the land. And he said, I'm going to nourish you. And that word means I'm going to sustain you. I'll sustain you. Joseph revealed himself to his brethren as their provider and their sustainer. And if the Lord's been pleased to reveal Christ to you, you know him as your Savior. You know him as your King. You know him as your Lord. You love it that way. And you also know him as your provider. And your sustainer. Not only has the Lord been pleased to forgive you your sin and the blood of Christ, He's given you life. And He's promised He's going to sustain that life. See, so saved you by Christ, and now He's going to sustain you by the preaching of Christ the bread of life. Christ saved you, and you're going to feed on Him and be sustained. Now, if you know Christ, you know this. This is not just a doctrinal fact to you. You know this. He's the one that sustains you. He's the one that keeps you. He's the one that comforts you. And you love it that way because you know, I can't keep myself for a single second. I love knowing this. It's Christ who sustains and keeps me so that I'll persevere to the end. I love that, don't you? Now, if the Lord's revealed himself to you, that's your Savior. You'd love that. Then seventh, if I know the Lord, I see him in his word. Verse 12 says, And behold, your eyes see, in the eyes of my brother Benjamin, that it's my mouth that speaketh unto you. Joseph says, Now look at me. It's my mouth talking to you. You see the family resemblance, don't you? It's my mouth. I was somewhere recently in uh, a doctor's office and the doctor came in 
and uh, he looked at my chart and he had this kind of confused look on his face and he said, you're related to somebody. I said, well, yeah. And he, he finally figured out it was Jonathan, my brother. And he said, oh, I see the family resemblance. Now I see. I see the family resemblance. Brady, you know, and I said, I said, that's the best compliment he got all day. Me and that doctor were buddies, and I thought that was fun. Anyway, it's the family resemblance. He said, it's my mouth talking to you. You know I'm going to keep my promise to you because you know it's me. Now, if the Lord's been pleased to reveal himself to you, I'll tell you how he did it. He did it by his written word. Because that's the only way the Lord's ever pleased to reveal himself is by his word. It can't be by somebody else's ideas now. It can't be somebody, you know, the ideas of, of who the Savior is and, and how God saves sinners. It's got to come from the word of God. It's the only way the Lord's pleased to reveal himself. It's the preaching of the word. That's why we make so much of the preaching of God's word here. Just verse by verse by verse. Precept upon precept upon precept. The only way we can know God is what he tells us in his word. Now, if the Lord's revealed himself to you, you know when you hear a message preached, is the subject Christ or not? You know that. And here's how you know it, by his word. If the Savior that's being preached is the Christ of the Bible, you're going to know it. You'll recognize him. You'll recognize him and you'll love it. And if the Lord's been pleased to reveal himself to you, you're going to love to hear about him. You're going to love to hear from him, from his word, over and over and over and over again. It won't get tired, tiresome to you. Then here's the eighth thing. If I know the Lord, I'm just going to have to tell somebody else about his glory. Verse 13, Joseph says, And ye shall say to my father, and ye shall tell my father of all my glory, in Egypt, and of all that ye have seen, and ye shall haste and bring down my father hither. Now Joseph told his brothers, you go tell our father everything that's been revealed to you. Tell our father of my glory. Now I thought about that this week. If these brothers are going to go back to their father and tell them everything that they've seen, everything that's been revealed to them. If they're going to go back home and tell their father about the glory of Joseph in Egypt, you know what they're going to have to tell him first? They're going to have to say, Daddy, we sold your favorite son into slavery. We hated him so much, we plotted to kill him. And then we decided to make a buck on the deal instead of killing him, selling him into slavery. We did that. He begged us to get out of that pit and we wouldn't listen. There wasn't any water in there. We wouldn't give me any water. They're going to have to tell their father everything. They're going to have to admit their hatred of that favorite son. You know why they got to tell that first? Because that's Joseph's glory. Joseph's glory is his grace and his forgiveness. See, the sin of the brothers makes the, the grace of Joseph all the more glorious, doesn't it? Now, the same thing is true in preaching the gospel. If we're going to preach the gospel of Christ, we're going to have to tell of our own sin. Now, 
it's never a good idea ever, ever, ever publicly to start listing all of your sins and all the things that, that, that you've done wrong. We're talking about sin. We're talking about the nature of sin, the nature of rebellion. The reason I can tell you about the glory of Christ is Christ has forgiven my sin. That's why I can tell you. The glory of Christ is he's chosen to save sinners in his sovereign mercy. He passed some by. He chose others because that was his sovereign right to do it. And I can tell you about that glory because I've experienced it when Christ revealed himself to me. I can tell you where sin is forgiven. Do you want to know where your sin is forgiven? I got a message to tell you. I know because my sin has been forgiven. David said, this poor man cried and Lord heard him. You cry too, Lord hear you. The only man who can truly preach the gospel of God's grace in Christ Jesus is a sinful man whose sin has been forgiven in the blood of Christ. Preaching. I mean, it's, it's the most complicated, most difficult task in the world. And yet it's really simple. Preaching is simply one sinner telling another sinner where he found forgiveness where he found cleansing for his sin. Now, I know all of us aren't preachers. You know, you, you may not preach. And if uh, if I ask you to, to preach Sunday and you think, I just won't be there. You know, you, all of us aren't preachers. But I tell you what, you can witness to folks. You can tell others the reason that you have a good hope. What's the reason for your hope? You can tell folks that. You can be like that leper. You can go home and tell your friends and your family. What gracious thing God's done for you. You can tell that. You can support the preaching of the gospel. Because you want the Lord to reveal himself to others the same way he revealed himself to you. And if if the Lord's revealed himself to us, that's exactly what we'll do. That's what we'll do. Well, I hope that's been a, a blessing to you. And I hope you can see there. That's how the Lord revealed himself to me. All right, let's bow together. Our Father, how we thank you for this time that you've given us to meet together, to open your word, to see Christ our Savior in it, to have him preach to us. Father, I pray that you would cause everything that's been said and done here tonight, that's, that's been true, that's been edifying, that's been directly from your word, that it be mixed with faith, that you give us faith to believe. Oh, that you cause us to see our sin and our need, and to run to Christ, to come to him that we might have life, to come to him that we might drink, to come to him that we might rest. Father, this is a great thing that we ask for ourselves, that you give us faith in your son. But Father, we ask for your name's sake, for the glory of the name of your dear son, that you'd save us here tonight. Surely you get the glory and the praise for it. Father, it's in Christ's name. For his sake we pray. Amen. Now the Tate family has gotten some sort of bug. I just barely have, I don't know if I got it, but anyway, in case I do got it, I'm going to avoid 
I would give you a fist bump or something. I'm a voice. So you all don't want this. So the, the ones that got it uh, bad, you, you don't want it. So um, we'll just do that. And Lord, we'll see you Sunday. All right. Sean.